Hi pals, this is Blaine Hill with the Simply Stated Podcast for the Journey Sunday School class at Lake Murray Presbyterian Church in Chapin, South Carolina. This season of the podcast is on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which you can find in the Gospel according to Matthew, chapters 5-7. through seven. Last week we talked about murder, rage, and resentment. Today we're going to read Matthew chapter 5, verses 27-30, to 30. So, adultery and self-indulgent lust is the order of the day. Um, I'd like to read a little a quote from Dallas Willard in his book, The Divine Conspiracy, comparing Jesus' teaching on lust and adultery with uh, his te- Jesus' teaching on murder and resentment. Jesus was confronted, confronted with multitudes of men who thought of themselves as good, as right in their sexual life because they did not do the specific thing forbidden by the commandment. They were like those who thought they were right right in relation to their fellow men because they had not killed them. Well, that's putting things pretty starkly. I want to remind you we have a four-part framework to understand different sections of the Sermon on the Mount. One, person. What did Jesus' words real reveal about who he is. Second is theology. What's the theological idea we can draw from his teaching? Third is ethics. What ethical teaching or guide can we take away from his teaching? The final one is eternity. How does this teaching link our everyday life and eternity? But first, let's read the passage. Chapter 5, verses 27 to 30 of the Gospel according to Matthew. You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. Well, those are some pretty shocking words by Jesus. Um, These aren't likely to be made into one of those little precious memory figurines, that's for sure. Well, now I'm going to try to get us to move ahead by stating things simply, just to explain some of the passage. Jesus says, you have heard it said. He's referring to the Ten Commandments. That's the central teaching of Judaism and uh, Christianity in some way, too. Uh, the, The Ten Commandments can be divided into two parts. The first four commands really deal with our relationship to God and the last part of our relationship with neighbor And uh, the command not to commit adultery falls, of course, in a relationship to other human beings. It follows the command to honor our father and mother and the command not to murder, but it comes before the command not to steal. So that's what he means by, you have heard it said. It's not just general wisdom. He means the Ten Commandments. Well, in the Old Testament, in Jesus' day, adultery... Uh, had a pretty particular meaning. It wasn't just sexual misadventures or promiscuity uh, by single people, but it was talking about married people. This command forbids a married person to have sex with someone other than that person's husband or wife, and it forbids a person from having sex with someone who is married to someone else. 
in practical matters, the Old Testament law was really focused on the idea that no one other than her husband is permitted to have intercourse with a married woman. In principle, both the man and women committing committing adultery should should have been uh, uh, punished or divorced or whatever the course might be. But in practice, we have reason to think that women probably got the worst of things uh, in Old Testament times and in Jesus' day as well. The story of uh, the Gospel of John chapter 8 deals with Jesus confronting that, in fact. A friend of mine suggested to me maybe it was only or largely a crowd of men listening. That that could have been the reason Jesus is talking to how men behave in this passage. Uh, we can't really be sure. Jesus goes on and says, But I say to you, we saw this same contrast in the last passage we looked at, talking about murder and nursing grudges. Jesus really is making a huge claim here, a claim to deepen, or in his own words, to fulfill Scripture. Uh, and then he goes on to say, uh, Everyone... Um, Again, is he talking mostly to men? Either way, we can we can understand that the problem falls uh, to both men and women to look uh, with lust, which is where he's going next. Jesus is talking here not about noticing that someone is attractive. Jesus is talking about deliberately seeking to look at someone for the purpose of being aroused by the view. He doesn't mean... The the notice just noticing someone's beauty or handsomeness, but deliberate staring, seeking, leering really is maybe the best word. On purpose behavior, um, just as Jesus isn't calling us out for feeling irritation at someone, he calls us out for nursing a grudge. Here he isn't criticizing human sexual attraction. He is uh, shining a light on the problem of uh, a married person leering at someone uh, for sexual satisfaction, someone other than their spouse. And if you've ever been on the Internet, uh, it has thrown some sort of salacious or provocative pictures your way. Jesus is talking about clicking through, about using the search bar, much less turning on the incognito browser. Jesus is pointing out uh, the deliberate indulgence of our desire or attraction for someone else. Uh, Here's an obvious point about this. Jesus is pointing out something that was common for him to observe in his day. Men leering at whistling. I I don't know if they whistled or catcalled, but it certainly is still a problem that women experience today. And that's the sort of behavior Jesus is especially criticizing. Jesus goes on and says that that person has committed adultery in his heart. Now, Jesus isn't equating our feelings and our thoughts with actions. Jesus is, his perspective is wise. It's not simplistic. Here he is using provocative language to show the real power of our intentions. And the way we cultivate the desires of our heart has a really, a very real impact on our way of life. Uh, someone in Sunday school raised um, concern, uh, having heard a report about how many uh, young children, particularly 10 to 13-year-old boys, are having their ideas about women shaped by pornography, the, their understanding of boundaries, their understanding of what's realistic, of how things uh, actually go in life. And it shapes our heart, what we intentionally seek out and look out at. Um, maybe it would help us to see 
the power of self-indulgent lust more clearly if we just think about self-indulgence. As a way of life, self-indulgence doesn't really do anything good for people. Or if children are indulged in a way that isn't appropriate, they become spoiled. Well, we can spoil ourselves too. So that's what's talking. Jesus is talking about the impact of our self-indulgence upon our heart. Then he goes on to talk about, use really uh, extreme language of eyes and hands, hell and heaven. Uh, just as in our past passage, the word hell here is literally, it's Gehenna, and it literally refers to the smoldering garbage heap outside of Jerusalem. Uh, but it also points us, correct, correctly points us in the direction of eternity. At any rate, Jesus is using hyperbolic language, really provocative language. And he is telling us that the the sin we may want to dismiss is far more serious and requires more drastic action than we would like to acknowledge. Maybe it's a bit of, I think it's called a straw man. He's putting this idea out explicitly for us to object to it. We're supposed to object to the idea that someone should cut off their uh, hand or pull out their eye. That's disgusting. And so we're then we're forced to think, well, what what should we do about uh, leering and the indulgence of sexual desire? What what is the proper course of action to that to that problem? Finally, I think Jesus is uh, critiquing self righteousness of religious leaders by this kind of ridiculing language. You know, self mutilation won't change the heart; it's the heart that needs to be transformed, not just our behavior. So hopefully that gives you a sense of the meaning of what Jesus is saying, how the words work, just trying to put it stated simply. Let's go on and use our four questions and see what we might learn. Uh, I'll remind you, we're going to look at the person of Jesus, theology, ethics, and eternity. So starting with the person, what do we learn about Jesus from this passage? Uh, Well, first of all, maybe he had a sense of humor. Kind of a sharp sense of humor. The the bit the the bit the his talking about pulling out an eye or chopping off a hand when you know you didn't go around doing that. The church hasn't taught that. He didn't uh, go around helping people to do that. Uh, so he has a kind of wicked sense of humor. That's something interesting to think about in the person of Jesus. I don't think we usually think of him that we kind of that way. Um, here's something else. He calmly assumes. Uh, physical attraction without any shame. That's just part of being human. Uh, the question becomes, how how do we deal with that? Do we just set that aside? Do we focus it on our spouse? Really an insight into humanity. This is just part of being human is to, to, be, uh, to find other people attractive. Another important point is Jesus is deadly serious about defending marriage. And not really marriage as, I don't think, an institution. Maybe, maybe it's that. But at the very least, he's interested in defending your marriage and your neighbor's marriage. It really matters to him. Um, so that's what we something we learn uh, about Jesus. We could we could draw a conclusion about his concern for covenant as well, but I think we're going to save that for next time, or at least for theology. And speaking of that, what is the theology that Jesus holds holds out here? Well, first of all, he affirms the Ten Commandments and Scripture. He doesn't just affirm it, though. He also fulfills it. He radicalizes it, deepens it. Now, this is not unknown in the Old Testament at all. This is uh, him living out of the Old Testament. We could go and 
we could take time and look at the 31st chapter of Job, and we get a very similar um, uh, uh, ethic for uh, marriage in the 31st chapter of Job. It's also important to notice over and over again, we're going to keep coming back to this point. Jesus is not interested in mere rule-keeping righteousness. Uh, Jesus is interested in helping us have a heart that is shaped like the kingdom of God and living well in the world because of that. The third thing we're going to look at is ethics, and maybe this is the, the, the deepest point. I read that passage from uh, uh, Dallas Willard at the beginning uh, of the podcast, and he asks a very helpful question. He assumes that Jesus is trying to answer this question, how is a good person to live? So let's see what Jesus teaches us today about how a good person is to live. The first is we have to take decisive action against sin. Okay, we're not supposed to cut off our hand or pluck out an eye. That's disgusting and grotesque. But we should take decisive action against sin. Uh, we should do something about it to prevent it. You know, that could take many forms. In the class, uh, we had a, a fruitful conversation about uh, people, you know, we, we by this point in life, we know people who are struggling to keep their marriage together, maybe become attracted to someone else. And maybe the decisive action is to uh, uh, delete contacts from our phone or Facebook to uh, cut off the relationship with someone who's not our spouse because it's luring us away. Uh, but at any rate, decisive action against sin. Again, we see Jesus. Again, we see Jesus' defense of marriage, sheltering and protecting it. Um, here's an obvious ethical conclusion: is a Christ, Christian rejection of pornography. We can see some version of that that goes back very early in Christianity. Obviously, it wasn't internet pornography, but there were the pagans had lurid and sexual shows that were easily available in that time. And the church said that. Um, A good person is to live uh, by avoiding those. Um, Keeping on with ethics. Uh, I told you there was a lot here. Uh, Let me just ask, what ethical conclusion do you draw from the teaching that Jesus gave? That What you draw away may be the most helpful for you. I'll provide a few more uh, that we came across. Um, Jesus doesn't condemn sexual uh, desire as an ethical position. And that's, that's really important, especially um, for adolescents and young adults, just to recognize that those desires within ourselves are not what Jesus is speaking against. It's the indulgence of those outside of proper bounds. Uh, to, to understand that uh, our sexual passions have a, have a proper place. And uh, we live in a society that really doesn't want to acknowledge that much at all. But a lot of heartache demonstrates that uh, what happens when we don't recognize reasonable boundaries. Here's something that um, uh, is important to notice too. Uh, sometimes this pas- passage is used to caution women uh, to modesty in their dress so that men won't be excited by their appearance. But I don't think that's what this passage says at all. Uh, perhaps uh, one might draw that conclusion, but... Uh, as a logical step, but it's not what Jesus is saying. Uh, Jesus is not making women responsible for how men look at them. Men are responsible for how they look at other people. Uh, I think the phrase for this is is the male gaze. 
Yeah, it's very significant and and significant for our lives today to see that Jesus is not making um, the victims of these leering looks uh, responsible for the person who's sinning. Um, we we know that uh, one of the great pitfalls in humanity is to blame women for the behavior of men. And uh, nope, not not to be found here. Jesus is making us men responsible for our behavior, and frankly, uh, women responsible for how they look at others as well. Of course, uh, on this topic, it's easy and common for people to fall into self-righteousness and uh, condemnations or self-condemnation. Uh, and I, that just doesn't seem to be what Jesus is trying to do. He is trying to lead people out uh, of sin and um, into the kingdom of heaven. This is where it's so important to remember Jesus' words like, The kingdom of heaven has come near, and blessed are the poor in spirit, um, that Jesus uh, pronounces a blessing on us. Last of all, I'm going to say what I think is the most important uh, ethical principle for our day, perhaps for any any day. It's this. Love is not predatory. Uh, proper love does not seek to consume other people as a thing, goodies to be gobbled up. Um, the week in which I'm recording this, Matt Lauer, a, a substantial TV personality, has been accused again not only of sexual misconduct, uh, but of raping a woman. And uh, we've had the all of the terrible incidences, incidences? occasions of um, finding out the kind of treatment women in Hollywood have endured um, under the Me Too movement. And Christianity utterly rejects uh, the predation of other people because of lust, men or women, uh, for that matter. Though I think Jesus is right on the ball in noticing that this is something that happens publicly uh, to and around and at women by men. So love is not predatory. That's that's the last point we could. I'll end on ethics, but I'm I'm curious what comes to your mind. What ethical teaching do you draw from Jesus' words today? Um, last, I want to uh, look at the issue of eternity. How did Jesus? How does Jesus' teaching connect us to uh, eternity? Well, first, it uh, Jesus is rejecting the division of the body and the soul. Uh, the Christian church has often divided those two things, divided body and soul. But Jesus doesn't allow here. How we act with our body has enormous impact on our soul. And the condition of our body will drive how, or the condition of our soul, whether it's tended and healthy or not, will impact what we do with our body. We could extend that and even say it will impact our body. If we are sick at heart, we can become sick in our body as well. So let's first notice that Jesus rejects the division of the body and soul. And given that Jesus, of course, uh, is the union of the divine and human, uh, how could he reject? How could he embrace any division of body and soul within in one person? So um, good Christology will help us in our ethics here. Uh, Jesus also seeks to defend us, protect us, by naming a very common sin, and uh, a sin that is destructive. And so he calls us to begin a kingdom of heaven way of life now. 
to uh, think about how, not think about, but to act out um, the ethics and the theology of the kingdom of heaven as a way of, of life. So um, those are just some of the eternal points uh, that we can draw from this passage. I really would encourage you to think um, think about how does this passage, how your decisions to look and not look, uh, impact your ability to be a person who lives uh, as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Well, we're going to look at a short passage next week, uh, at least one. I'm going to read that for you. It is verses 31 and 32 in chapter 5 in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew. Uh, here it is. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on ground of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Wow. Man, this is getting rough. Uh, but in each case that we've looked at these passages, we find that Jesus' uh, uh, pointed and sharp words are also a word of grace that give us um, a way to live in the kingdom of heaven. So next week we'll look at those and see, um, see what we might learn from them. Friends, thanks for listening to Simply Stated, a podcast for the Journey Sunday School. And uh, if you have any thoughts, questions, uh, I would love to hear from you. You can shoot me an email at behill.lmpchurch at gmail.com. Find it on the Lake Murray website. Um, or whatever way it is convenient to get that question to you. Uh, mostly this is our Sunday school class, so I hope that you'll just ask it next week. Thank you so much for your time, and God bless you.